Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, boom, here we go. It's Nerdificent, y'all. It's your boy, if you want anyway, here with my wonderful co-host, Danny Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one's ever ready for, like, the lob to, like, say your name. Like, once, <laughs> once you get, like, a few I thought you were going to introduce me yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You drop, like, a few adjectives and people are like, oh, yeah, it's about to be, It's they're about to say my name. It's like, nah. Introduce yourself. No, I got it. I am Danny <laughs> Fernandez here, and today, Ify, we are talking about... Virtual reality. Virtual re- VR. VR. Yeah, that, that's what all the cool kids call it now. But virtual reality was like the term, like where it's like, get in, we're jacking into the system. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's the adjective you used for it, jacking. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. We'll get into that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what virtual reality actually is, technically it means any artificially computer generated world that can be experienced and interacted with so technically any video game ever is virtual reality even if you're just playing it on a screen or phone okay. do you agree with that iffy that's I, not like I, what people think of yeah though. but i typically yeah, i think open world games like sometimes i feel like yeah i'm living in this world like when i was 18 i used to play uh, true crime streets of la and it was mm-hmm. like actual la streets and it was before i had my license so i'd drive around i was like oh, yeah this is God. how it's gonna be this is how it's gonna be me driving and not obeying any traffic laws at all. <laughs> so VR is often referred to when the user uses a piece of equipment to completely immerse themselves. That's the main thing that we'll kind of go over in this episode. It's basically the immersion part of it. That's that's really important because it's different than AR, augmented reality, yeah. is different because you are still experiencing the world around you. So like you're still seeing exactly with your same vision, but you're like putting a layer over it. So essentially like a game where you can still see your friend that's standing next to you, but you can throw banana peels or spider webs or something. Yeah, I think the simplest version would be uh, Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Yeah. yeah, that or Instagram filters. Like that's AR technology because that's you're true. Seeing, you're, you're putting a layer on yourself, and it's your real time too. When you like stick your tongue out, and the dog's like, 
But we'll we'll compare those two towards the end. But right now we just want to do that deep dive. So we'll go start off in the origins, it, it, which is crazy because uh, the exact origins of like virtual reality as an idea are disputed. Because the first two ideas of virtual reality were Lawrence Manning's 1933 series of short stories, uh, The Men Who Awoke, which describes a time where people are connected to a machine that replaces their senses with electrical impulses, which is basically like the Matrix. So like this guy made the Matrix back in 1933, and that was his kind You're of. You're saying idea. everyone's been copying him yeah, since yeah. then? <laughs> yeah. You know, after the Wachowski sisters jacked that idea from a black woman, the black women probably jacked him. Do we have like a shade button? Yeah, I yeah. feel like this podcast also needs <laughs> shade, shade. button. <laughs> I was going to say, going back before. Then yeah, before the, that idea, yeah. Before that idea, we did have stereoscopes essentially, and this was taken from the Virtual Reality Society. I bet mm. you didn't even know that there was an actual. Yeah, no. That sounds like a cult, yeah. slightly. And they actually declared so stereoscopes led to head-mounted displays, what we have now. So Sir Charles Wheatstone actually in 1838 came up with the first stereoscope, which used a pair of mirrors at like a 45-degree angle to the user's eye, which reflected a picture off to the side. And that later ended up coming into what we now know as Viewmasters. Do you yeah. remember those little... Oh, yeah. My big conspiracy with Viewmasters is that's what tricked kids into staring into the sun. Because they used the Viewmasters, you had to put the joints up in the sky yeah, so that the, the light, light comes in. Yes. But, but kids were like, yo, what if I just look at the sun? So, so according to the Virtual Reality Society, that's kind of what is seen as like what eventually led to, or the type of technology that eventually led to these kind of immersive head-mounted gear that we have now. Yeah, but I see that and I think, no. No way. Jose. You don't want to give them credit. I don't want to give them any credit because you can't blade run in a stereoscope. How are you going to blade run in a stereoscope? <laughs> you still there. small. Think of the time that it was. Their, yeah. their technology was eventually, they were saying, hey, you can immerse yourself into a different world. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's that's the same way of being giving credit to Alexander Graham Bell for all the porn I watch on my phone. Oh, God. He helped a little bit. Okay, so before we move on, I just want to throw one more person in here, Ify, and then I'll let you take over. So in 1929, Edward Link came up with the Link Trainer. It was the first flight simulator. It was an immersive flight experience. So that, I say, would be a little bit more 3D. You know, they started to use that as far as training with pilots. So that was kind of an extremely immersive Oh yeah, no, I'll experience give, I'll give with, that the with all senses. But VR as we know it, so that dropped in like 1929-ish, right? Yeah, yes. 1929. A few years later, 1935, Stanley G. Weinbaum had a short story called The Pygmalion's Spectacles, which described a goggle-based virtual reality system with holographic recording of fictional experiences, including smell and touch. So that's going to be the difference between VR as we know it versus like this idea, where VR as we know it is just the experience of seeing and hearing it, where in this story you kind of smell and you can touch things. And we're trying to get there. But the first official attempt was uh, when Morting Helix is it Hel- Heilig, maybe, yeah. Whatever. I'll just say Morton Heilig. Morton H. Morton, my boy Morton H. <laughs> wrote my boy Morton. In the 1950s of an experienced theater that could encompass all the senses in an effective manner. All the senses. All what are we talking about Ooh, here? Which, yeah. all the senses? Yeah, all of them. Touch, okay. taste. Mm-hmm. That's all the ones I know. I only know two senses. Touch Sight. and taste. <laughs> yeah, sight, hearing, smell. Smell-o-vision. 
Uh, yeah, he built a prototype of his vision, dubbed the Sensorama in 1962, along with five short films to be displayed in it while engaging multiple senses. I think that's senses. so cool. Yeah. So it was predating digital computing. The Sensorama was a mechanical device. He like, also developed what he referred to as the telesphere mask which was patented in 1960. The patent application described the device as a telescopic television apparatus for individual use. The spectator is given a complete sensation of reality. For example, moving three-dimensional images, which may be in cooler, it's spelled with a U, and I only pronounce color with a U, cooler, (laughs) with 100% peripheral vision, binaural sound, sense, and air breezes. And I actually added a picture I almost want to Photoshop boobs on the side of it because it's just this man sticking his head into a box. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it looks like something a dude going, oh, there's boobs in here. <laughs> this 100% looks like that machine where they like shoot the puff of air into your <laughs> eyes at the optometrist. Yeah, it totally does. This is my most hated machine right here. This oh is exactly gosh. what that looks like. Yeah, no, it's, it's super huge. And can you imagine if... The VR that we're experiencing now, like you had to be in public in front of a giant machine. It'd be like, did you go to the library much when you were yes. a kid? And you remember there was always that weird guy who was definitely watching pornography in the yeah. library. And you're like, all right, dude, like, we see you. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's that's what I feel like would happen if we had VR machines. But who knows? I, I think this is very similar to kind of the VR machines we kind of grew to know and love and at Chuck E. Cheese, like that tank oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. You would put your whole head in it and you'd be like, oh, snap, I'm in a tank. Yeah, there's a lot of games like this now at Dave & Buster's. Mm-hmm. And even like that horror one that I won't ever do because it has 3D glasses. I don't do 3D horror. Uh, oh, Anna gets very me. confused <laughs> when I said I would never do it. Yeah, no, I don't do horror. My friend, Biniam, Biniam Bazune, for his birthday, he wanted to do this like VR IMAX thing down across the street from the Grove and it was like a horror maze that you would do in like VR and I was like that sounds like my worst nightmare but you can take it off at any time they don't let you it's (laughs) fake they get mad when you take that thing off they're like it's not over I remember I was at E3 and I was doing this and I knew it was going to be a Wait, E3 for people that don't know oh yeah well yeah for the people who don't know E3 it stands for like let me get electronics three three. (laughs) E3 is like a convention that's solely I would say electronic yeah is that right electronic entertainment expo Mm -hmm. E3 yeah and so it's it's basically super comic con for video games and so I went one year and I went to the indie developers kind of get together and because I support the little guy and it was crazy because like this was probably two years ago and this is when Everyone in the game industry was like, VR is going to be the next wave. So all these indie developers had these indie games. And I put on the helmet, and it was super dark, and it was like some underwater experience. And I already knew. I was like, this is a scary game. But like, it was harder to be like, nope, because this is an indie developer, and he's like, hey, this is my game. I want to show you. This is my baby. So you can't be like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you could. So, no, because I look at his face and <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, he really wants me to experience this. So I pop it on and it's one of the scariest things because I figure the most scary type of games are when there's nothing around. Yeah, because, because you turn your head. Yeah. You turn your head and then that person's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm walking through this underwater base. It's super dark. And there was literally nothing till like the very end, which made it even more scary. 
where you look at these scary faceless suits and then you turn around and you hear a sound and you turn around and it's right behind you and I almost died. I I almost died. We were on a roof and I almost ran off the roof. Oh my on, god. Yeah, not, we should not talk really, No, but, but we should we'll hit on possible yeah. yeah, injuries that have happened from VR. Yeah, no, I was seated. So <laughs> I couldn't possibly god. run off the roof, but I meant I was so scared I wanted to take the helmet off mm-hmm. and jump off the roof. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Um, so you're okay with that indie developer, but you have no love for my man, Sir Charles Wheatstone, that created the stere- stereoscope all on his own? Oh, no, I got love for him. Okay. I got love for him. All right. I got love for him. I'm just saying you can't Blade Run in that. And okay. then this is this is what we're talking about, the steps to get... By the end of this podcast, we'll talk about how you can Blade Run. Okay. You, have you tried VR at all yet? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm, I'm okay. going to talk about Google Cardboard, which was my first introduction. Oh, okay. Well, have you ever played any of the giant games? Because I remember you played... I saw you play the Star Wars mm-hmm. one. You were into it, but have you ever played any of those old school VR games where you had to put your head into a helmet? Not that I recall. Because they used to have, and the reason I'm bringing all these up is because I feel like this is the pioneer. Like this specific setup is probably the pioneer for all of those arcade games. So I remember the boxing one where you'd stick your head in and you have oh, to wear yeah, those heavy I remember ass that. gloves. Yeah, and you would just be punching. Looking at this picture, I'm like, oh yeah. I can see how this spun that out where you're where the sensorama was like, this is a attraction for mass appeal. I agree. If <laughs> I was okay. like, I don't have further points on that. So aside from my man, Sir Charles, in 1987, Jason Lehner is actually the one Ooh. who took it upon himself to coin the term VR. So he actually developed a range of virtual reality gear and he had a device that was called the iPhone. Really? This was back in 1987. It was spelled E-Y-E, like your eyes. It was mm. called iPhone, and it was a head-mounted display. So they were the first company to sell virtual reality goggles, and the iPhone, you think they're expensive now, was $9,400. Ooh, which, give me a second to uh, do the The math, oh, for inflation, yeah, back in 1987. They also had a uh, glove as well, because, you know, a lot of which we'll get into some of this VR gear. A lot of times you not only have a helmet or some type of headpiece, but you also have gloves um, that are kind of matching your movements as far as like the boxing game. Or they also have ones for artists where you'll put on the glove and you can kind of like paint in this virtual reality space. So their glove was also $9,000. So they probably were the pioneer for the... If, Who owned this though? The, the power glove. Who? <laughs> Steve the, Jobs. Oh, definitely That's like definitely Steve Jobs some bought like this mega nerd. Yeah, like, got like, this iPhone and was like, "Hmm, I see what you're doing here." <laughs> <laughs> In 1987, it costing nine thousand four hundred is similar to today would be twenty thousand dollars and fifty four. <gasps> Holy uh, crap! Five hundred and forty six. Yeah, $20,546.90. So you can get an iPhone or a sedan. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. But that was the beginning of like the next level of VR because 90s had a huge boom. And we'll get into that right after the break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I feel like that's how 90 music <laughs> sounds. So it's just like... If we're doing, it's like a mixture yeah, of Seinfeld and Rocco's yeah, Modern Life. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's 90s music to get us ready for the VR 90s boom. Because VR became like culturally significant. There was movies like Arcade, Ghost in the Shell was out for all my anime heads back then. The Matrix, this is late 90s. And then The 13th Floor, which I totally forgot. But that was a huge deal back in the day. I saw that movie. But... Then you also had like stuff in the 90s happening like the Virtual Boy, Sega VR, and Battlezone, all these different attempts at VR. The 90s were so confident in VR that in 1991, Computer Gaming World predicted affordable VR by 1994. (laughs) We We barely have it now. Yeah, yeah, we don't have it now. (laughs) It is not affordable technically with Google Cardboard. 
Oh yeah, Google Cardboard. Yes, gonna, which we'll get to change the game. But yeah. like 1994 is when they thought affordable VR was going to be around. Yeah, and so like most of what was available up to this point was too expensive or not accessible to the average person, or it didn't work well and it wasn't very comfortable. Yeah. So that was another thing that I still feel like they're working on <laughs> as far well, as headsets. It's a it's a twofold thing because I think the biggest issue now is that sickness you get while doing it like you there's a lot of motion sickness so that's their biggest obstacle and then i think when they're done with that is when they'll try and make it make it small cheaper but also smaller yeah i think smaller and just i mean there's nothing attractive about having a massive headset on your head i think if they could make it spectacles that were still immersive still entirely immersive but uh speaking of google cardboard For those of you that don't know, that is a mobile headset. I mean, it literally is what it says. It's like a little cardboard box that you can insert your phone into. And you just have to download an app on your phone. It costs $10. I got mine for free. Like Verizon was giving them out. Oh, yeah. And the one that you were talking about that you saw me in, which was a Verizon commercial uh, for Force Awakens, they had a huge promotion for it. So they were, you could just go into the store there and pick up uh, Google Cardboard and you could use other games and stuff with it. It wasn't just Force Awakens. Like once you got the app, you could, I actually did play a haunted house game with it. So if I can picture this for you, you take your phone like your iphone you slip it into this little cardboard piece you hold it up to your head and then you're totally immersed that's all you can see with your vision and when you move your head to the right you see so if we're talking about the haunted house you it's moving your head in the haunted house so you're now seeing chairs you're seeing the right side of the room you move your head to the left and then all of a sudden there's a ghost right there or something so that that those are the games that iffy doesn't like yeah i will say it is very jarring yeah so there was one where i think it was a woman screaming mm. I could see like she was in my vision just like screaming at me and oh they are <laughs> what I think experience it was... <laughs> is that I think it was an indie game developer, whatever. So that's moving on to the actual equipment. So so HMD is a head-mounted display. Those are the visors that go over your face. Each eye sees a different image. And as your head moves, like I said, it changes the image and it tracks it appropriately. So that's kind of what makes it the most immersive part of it, where you kind of can get lost in this VR experience. Yeah, And and that's pretty much just the jump to like, I feel like Google Cardboard kind of came out what was it like four years ago? Was it? Uh, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm so good. the fact that the New York Times distributed it to 1.6 million people makes it the most widely distributed VR platform to date. Oh, yeah. And it was free. So basically, <laughs> the computer gaming world was 20 years off. But just to jump back to the 90s real quick. So they had this big boom, but none of it was successful. Everything was too expensive and the VR wasn't like it is today. I think today we've gotten technology both 3d rendered technology versus like you know hd video technology to a point where like we have it on our phones and it's amazing we're back then trying to get any of that technology on your screen was very expensive but uh back in the day 90s the idea of vr was at its peak and i feel like it died down because it just didn't work and i feel like just now it's starting to peak again especially with things like google cardboard and other things but other what are those other things iffy other things porn the google cardboard came out four years ago 
And I, I remember when it came out because that year at Comic-Con, Legendary gave out Google Cardboards to promote Warcraft. And Warcraft is a game. No, the movie. The oh, movie. okay. So yeah. they, it was a, you would be riding a griffin throughout Azeroth. And two years later, that's when I got into it because I had these free cardboard things. And it, I was blown away by the fact that Pornhub already has the setting for Google Cardboard. Mm-hmm. Like Pornhub is very interesting in the sense that pornography has always been kind of taboo. And I feel like Pornhub is the PR company for porn as a whole. <laughs> like they've outreach, they've been doing lots, they donate to lots of charity, give out lots of information about their site that gets into the news cycle. Like when uh, the Hawaii disaster where they accidentally said a missile was going to launch. Oh, right. And they dropped that data that they were like, this many users were still on Pornhub when that news came out. And this many users, like there was a huge spike. Like they're kind of- There was of, a spike? Yeah, there was a spike after oh, no. it happened. People, oh, I thought you were like, people are like, I'm going to die. Might as well get one more in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it dropped. And oh, then right after it, it just spiked, spiked back up. up. And that kind that. of information is kind of just, I don't think a lot of people really get it like at the forefront, but it's kind of just being like, yeah, everybody's doing it. You don't need to be ashamed. But to talk about pornography driving technology, I wanted to drop some fun facts that I got from Thrillist about how pornography has driven technology thus far. So um, pornographic movies have been around since the 1800s. Uh, in 1896, a film called Le Coucher de la Marlie, uh, or Marie, sorry, I, look, I don't read French, showed a woman performing a striptease, and this is generally considered to be the first pornographic film in existence. Uh, the high demand for this early masterpiece led the French filmmakers to realize that people would pay top dollar to see women get naked on screen. They still will. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and so here's some cool things that porn has done. Porn standardized Super 8 film. The accessibility of porn on VHS is what killed the Sony Betamax. And uh, they kind of pioneered online payments because all of the porn sites That's that true. existed, they basically needed a way for people to pay to access it. And so they kind of created a system to pay for it. As a matter of fact, uh, Richard Gordon, who founded the electronic card systems, got super rich off of the Pamela Anderson sex tape. Just like Betamax, porn killed HD DVD. It was more accessible on Blu-ray versus HD DVD. And um, the last fact they had was that uh, you can have sex with Google soon. And this was written in uh, 2014 because there was this app that worked with Google Glass, which, of course, now is dead. But Google Glass was. Oh, yeah. Google Glass was the – it was these glasses you would wear that would have a heads-up display for you and display information for you. And it just did not – Kind of like smart glasses. Yeah. And so this app would allow you to see yourself from your partner's point of view while you have sex. Yeah. (laughs) Which I I can think of something I needed less. (laughs) Why would you do that? Uh, yeah, well, it says by sync the the app was called Glance, and by syncing your devices with Glance, you'll be able to control the music and lighting around you. And when you're ready to start, you'd say, "Okay, Glass, it's time." And when you're done, you say, "Okay, Glass, pull out." Oh, but you're like wearing these glasses yeah, while you bang yeah, someone. Yeah. I mean, I wear my glasses when... Uh, yeah, but like Google glasses were a little bit different than regular glasses. <laughs> yeah, they, they looked skinny and weird. Like you look like you're having <laughs> like sex with Soldier 76 a... <laughs> from Overwatch. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> like an old-timey professor with like the tiny glasses. Oh, yeah. Just, trying to, just like, yeah. let's go. 
Or like every professor in a like iPhone sketch written by someone at Funny or Die. Like you got these tiny glasses and I work in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I just keep imagining a uh, Belle from Beauty and the Beast dad. That yeah. like inventor dude. <laughs> but yeah, the reason I bring up all this is I feel like VR is going to be no different. Porn has already accepted VR with open hands. If you go to Pornhub, if you go to any of the sites, they already have a VR section. Which is yeah, they have interesting. a VR category. Yeah, which is insane because a lot of the VR, like if you wanted to get a VR video and all that stuff, you have to get a specific app to watch videos in VR. Meanwhile, you can go to Pornhub, press play, and it's connected to your VR. So they've already made it accessible from their site. And, you know, I gave it a whirl for, for research, you know, mm-hmm. definitely as as a nerd Talking head, I got to be up on all the products, got to check it out. And it, it's funny, it's been 50-50 because I've seen articles from guys at Kotaku and all that. And some people think it's weird. Some people are like, this is kind of cool. I'm down the middle. I think it is kind of weird. And I think it's weird in the same sense of if you haven't used VR yet, when you play a VR game for a long time, your brain tricks you into really thinking it's real. Right, right, right. And when you take that headset off, there's like this like weird readjusting to the real world. And I imagine if you do like some long 30 minute to an hour session of enjoying VR pornography, you know, because you know that is shamed feeling. I don't know. I, I can't speak for the, the women in this room, but as a man, and I've I've countered the data with other men. There's a shamed feeling you get after uh, you know watching pornography when and, you finish. Yeah, you're just like oh. closing out of all the browsers. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like now, like you have to take off this helmet and you're. No longer in this like fancy Miami bedroom with <laughs> super furnished, this beautiful woman, and you're backing your mattress on the floor, you know, with the, with your dirty flower comforter that you had. Um, yeah, it, it got dark there. But. <laughs> There's an eviction notice next to you. <laughs> I would love it if they just made this reality like the most. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I will say, the few times I've used it, I've like checked out of the sexual aspect and been like, look at this house. Like, I mean, wait, who is their design? This, this looks know, like this, Pier One. I, like, I've always wanted one of those low sitting beds, you know, like it's kind of got <laughs> How a you live in feng shui. It. Like, yeah, no, legit. And I think right now there still is a huge diversity problem in VR porn. Yeah, well, we're going to, yeah, we'll tackle, uh, we're actually going to tackle the future of virtual reality. Oh, really? Yeah. Right after this. <laughs> The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back. Oh, yeah, we we closed off strong with that. Talking about the future of virtual reality, uh, let's just tackle the first up the thing aside from porn that it's most known for is video games. Yeah. So, if you, what do you think the future of video games will be like? Uh, the video game industry has embraced it so hard, and I feel like this might be the year where it kind of weans itself off. Because two years ago, in 2016, when I went to E3, everything was V. Are tastic. Every booth was talking about VR and what they want to do with it. It's like when laser discs yeah. came out. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody so, was like, oh, we're getting on it. Oh, yeah. And I feel like right now there's a brand battle that needs to happen between the HTC Vive, Oculus, mm-hmm. for people to realize like who's going to win. I, even okay, though, so what are those are uh, the different head, yeah. the different companies so the, that have headsets? Yeah, the two major headsets that are kind of like competing for people's attention right now is the HTC Vive. And the Oculus Rift, which was the kick-started VR headset that kind of, I would want to say, kind of started this. They were It was only the Oculus for a while. Facebook bought it. It was this new hotness. And then HTC Vive shows up on the scene. And what's crazy is since um, the Oculus was crowdsourced, it was taking a little while for it to kind of develop. So HTC just kind of came up and was like, yo, what's good? We ready to rock. And everyone's attention was like, ooh, it was like that meme with that guy looking. <laughs> um but you had like, you know, your Oculus loyalists, HTC Vive loyalists, but pretty much they're both out, both on the Steam store. And it seems like right now it's just kind of like your choice of which one you want to use since most games can be used by both platforms. Uh, some are loyal to only Oculus. HTC already says that it won't make Vive exclusive games. Like they, they're not interested in that. They just want to, they want to do their thing. And I believe... Vive showed their Vive wands before the Oculus revealed their kind of solution, which was like this cool touch. So it's like a controller with buttons for every finger, so you can almost control each and every one of your fingers. Uh, and they've both of them have used their 
controllers in great ways. It's I think it might just balance out and be like an Android v Apple thing where it's like pick your poison. But Oculus do have some Oculus exclusive games, so that might you know tilt people when it comes down to it. But as far as it goes in the console world, you have uh, the PlayStation has already released their PlayStation VR, which uses the PlayStation Move controllers, which are two Wii-like wands, and they have a huge headset. And that, I think, is the most easily to enter consumer level uh, headset, mostly because all you need is a PlayStation camera, the headset, and the wands, and you're good. With the Vive, they have like these like four sensors that need to be in the corner of the room. I think it's two or four sensors that need to be in the corner of the room. Just a lot of people don't have the space for that. I remember uh, when I was still at at midnight, Chris Hardwick was talking about setting up his Vive, and he had like to use a separate room for it. And he he was just having a hard time getting it to work. And then I went to some friends where they just attached it to each corner of the room. But not everybody has a whole extra room. To, <laughs> Chris for, Hardwick for VR. does. Not even Chris Hardwick. He has a lot of stuff. So he's like, whatever. <laughs> I think no one is that eager to give up a room, even if you're Chris Hardwick. You're like, mm, I could put better things in here That's than true. a vibe. But when it all comes down to it, the video game scape, it seems like it's slowing down on its excitement for VR because I think the consumers haven't jumped on it because the price point is still pretty rough. Like uh, you have the PlayStation VR, which I think is the cheapest. It goes for around three, four hundred. And then you go up to five, six hundred for the Vive. Like let me I'm gonna give you live prices right now. So the HTC Vive itself is six hundred dollars. The Oculus Rift is $400 for just the headset. A lot of places are showing it for 500 though. And then they, the PlayStation VR, you can get the whole set for 350 So that already, for a lot of people, 350 and up is a console. So if you don't already have the console, then you're like, forget that. And if you do have a console, you're like, well, I already spent money on this console. How long is VR going to last? That's the, sc- that's the thing about these like fringe electronics you don't know it's staying power especially when you have playstation pros coming out xbox x you don't know how long the console is going to shift and stay on it so that is the future of uh video games yeah as told by your boy as told by iffy so let's uh hop back for a minute back into porn my favorite subject as far as the future here well one so vr porn isn't necessarily that different than regular porn i mean other than it transports you out of just like laying in your bed looking at a screen now you're immersed in this porn world like if he said you could be in a condo in miami the issue that they're dealing with right now one is the massive headset i mean i don't know i guess if you don't mind jerking off with that on and uh, your boy was using the Google Cardboard. So oh, like the Google one Cardboard. Hand, one hand, one hand had to be hold, holding it up. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you pay $10 for it. <laughs> so that also there's like more limited content. So there, there's a high demand for VR porn right now. Like if you said Pornhub already has it categorized that you can just click and, and watch VR porn. But it's still a lot of the content is not as diverse as if you said it's largely tailored towards hetero white men ages 18 to 25 as those are the ones that are currently most likely to own VR headsets and pay for content. So it's not as much. Obviously, it's not going to have 
as wide a range of porn as just Pornhub or YouPorn or those sites in general, since it's it's in its singular category. And a question that we got during the break was, are you watching it or are you in it? Yeah, and it's both. So there's two. There's when In my research that I was doing, there was typically two types that it would be. It would be either you were the guy. In your or, research. Yeah. <laughs> You're either the guy or in some cases you could be you can be a woman or you were literally a creep in a room watching people have sex. So those are your two My options. My favorite option. <laughs> like, I'm just going to watch you guys do it from this corner, which I feel like for immersion purposes might work, especially since there is a diversity program. So you could either be a white dude or any race but a creep. But yeah, no, it's it's pretty intense because a lot of times it is just laying down, which for, once again, immersion purposes, I think if you're doing anything besides that, you're kind of out of it because you're nine times out of ten going to be laying down. Yeah, no, I agree. The next thing we're moving on to as far as the future of VR is actually film and documentaries. So we already touched on some of these theaters having fuller immersions and sensory theaters and stuff, but There was a documentary that was made called The Fight for Fallujah, and it was a 360-degree documentary shot in an active war zone to make it feel like you're in a firefight. Now, they want to preface this in no way is the same as actually being in a firefight. You know, like there was another one called Refugees by Scopic that was a documented plight of refugees. In no way are they trying to imply that it's the same as being an actual refugee. I just I just want to preface this because they made a point of this. But they wanted to give you a better look and a more deeper understanding. I think it also helps with empathy if you can see it live where you're like, oh, if I look around, this is it. But I get, like, the need to say that just in case people want to be like, well... It's not the same as actually being shot at. Yes, we understand that. We We understand that. So a couple of other things that might come for that as far as news, uh, like the news cycle, instead of just reading the news, you'd be placed at the scene. That actually sounds terrifying, but great for my nosy neighbors. (laughs) Entertainment-wise, VR headsets... Some people think they may actually replace TVs as you are able to experience film and television on a more immersive level. Like, why would you watch 2D when you can see and feel a clear image of this character's world? I kind of feel like, yeah, we're already there. Yeah. But we just don't have as much a wide variety of films and stuff to choose from. Also, I feel like you're... Typical TV viewing audience tend to be traditionalists, which is why when there was that huge 3D TV boom, people were like, nah, I'm I'm Gucci. I just want to sit on my couch. I don't want to throw some glasses on. Like if people don't even want to throw 3D glasses on. And and you had those rich friends who was like, you want to put on the 3D glasses? I'm like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Just just turn on Family Guy. Okay, but I will say whenever I go to Hogwarts, when I go to the Wizarding World at Universal, their ride where you're, you're seated in this little chair is that like your feet are dangly type of thing. I'm like, this would be so cool to watch the movie like this. Oh, yeah. I think that the next Harry Potter, whatever Fantastic Beast, what, whatever they have next lined up, they should do that. Oh, okay. I'm going to throw that out there. Money where it And if they ever make a Dragon Ball Z movie, they should do that too. So another factor that people are looking at is school, is education and teaching, teaching your students about different cultures. You can place a 360-degree camera at major landmarks or cities to learn about that culture or place. Also, as far as space exploration, exploring like the moon landing or you know up at the, up at the space station, those are things that students would be able to experience in a more realistic manner, like a gladiator battle or the Renaissance with 
with reenactments or the Holocaust, which also equally that yeah. sounds terrifying as well. They even talked about civil rights experience, having police dogs barking at you, um, people ye- yelling and screaming at you. Look, I got the free civil you, rights. Yep, yep, uh, but maybe experience. not. Come through people my, that my look house, like, and I'm gonna spray you down with my water hose. No, and, and again, it wouldn't be the same. Like no one's ever saying it's yeah. the same, but maybe it could help students that don't look like that or experience oh, yeah. that. No, no, I think I really do like the idea of using. VR to kind of help with the empathy because I feel like if you never experienced it, it just doesn't help. And I'd like for I think a cool thing to do would be like take these moments in time, colorize them, and then make people experience them because I feel like all these black and white photos that we often see of these events makes it seem so in another time. Mm-hmm. Like it's so far behind us. It's like, oh, that's when black and white photos are. It's like, yeah. So is that picture of your taco yesterday that you put in black and white and threw it on Instagram. But it seems like we're conditioned to view black and white photos as so far, so far behind us. But civil rights movement was not that long ago. Right. People are alive today who were living it. Right. So. And to also comment on that, when we were, when they were able to see same with the war and the civil rights movement, when they were able to see these images live shown on TV, it changed a lot of people. Oh, yeah. It changed a lot of people's opinions being able to see that. So this would be in a more, even more immersive experience of that as far as students learning. Another thing that they said is it could help easily distracted students have a more positive learning environment that's like set to their needs. Yeah. So so that's another thing that teachers are kind of looking at. Or that badass kid who can't pay attention. You throw a VR headset on him and everywhere he looks, he's still in class. Like, yeah, you can't use your imagination here, Billy. You're in class. <laughs> another thing that they're looking at is in the medical field as far as medicine. So putting people in virtual reality in hospitals Actually, they have found helps reduces the amount of pain medication that they may need and also kind of provides escapism. Like if you're stuck in your hospital bed for weeks or months on end, it might be, you know, a little bit of escapism slash therapy for that patient to be able to. I mean, again, we're not saying it's the same as being outside. We're just saying these are small steps for these people. Yeah. Yeah. And then in pro sports, you got a lot of 360 experiences, which I think is great. You know, some People are never able to see live sports. So I think having a nice way to get like VR front row seats would be a nice treat for some people. I know one of the first things I did when I got a Google Cardboard, it actually wasn't a pornography. That was a much later time. It was that actually was later that night. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually the Google Cardboard app. And the first thing it does is it just transports you to like different landmarks around. And that was the coolest thing because it was pretty cool because it uses the Google Earth full 360. And it's pretty real looking. And I was like, man, this is kind of cool. Like there are people who who don't fathom being able to travel and they get to put this on and be like, oh, I'm where the people are. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about professional sports, the NBA and Olympics, they already did 360 degree experiences. And so that it'll eventually probably lead to other leagues as far as the NFL, the MLB, even UFC. That to me would be intense. And I feel like UFC fans would be the ones that would be the most into being right there in the ring. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see the blood. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they just need oh, like man. a 40 where you have like a split, you can actually feel blood and like spit splattering on you. But yeah, as far as being on the sidelines, being behind the goalpost or in the actual ring, I think that is the next step that they're doing as far as professional sports. So iffy, as far as 
virtual reality and its future. What are things that you're excited about? And what are some things that you might be worried about, if you're worried about anything? I am excited about the educational ways it could be used. It could kind of make lessons more dynamic because I feel like a lot of the problems we're having today is from like very big moments in history that really shape and affect certain cultures like, you know, the Holocaust and the civil rights movement. Like those are things that are in the foundation of a lot of black and Jewish people that are just simply chapters in a book. So it's almost understandable when a person is confronted with the effects of those things and they're like what's the big deal because to them it was just a chapter that they read that was kind of portrayed as Mm -hmm. super long ago yeah dead and gone it just came and went like especially the civil rights movement like it's crazy to think how actually close it was how recent Mm -hmm. it was but it just seems so far away when you read it and it's a chapter and you're like and this and this and this happened so to kind of change the way we teach those moments in history and really let people understand the gravity of it i think that kind of will change the relationship you have with people whose culture and ancestry has dealt with that as a whole it it kind of makes you go like oh yeah i can see why you might be salty about being disenfranchised and growing up in a community that you know you're not really expected to succeed in yet you still push on and you actually find some success in how even within finding that success the work isn't done because you have to give back to raise up the people who might have been left behind and might be doing things that on paper look like it's criminal but really is a just a result of the oppression and doing what you have to do to put food on the plate for the people you love, even though it might not necessarily be legal because those are the only options you have because no one is hiring you because they're hiring Billy from the tech startup down the street because he just moved in to gentrify your neighborhood and now you're being displaced into like some far ass place you've never been before. But there is dangers. I do think as uh, pornography gets more available and, you know, pornography, it's very nuanced because you see people who just ingest it and, you know, it's just like a thing. Like, you know, it's just something they ingest and it doesn't really impact them or how they view women. And then you see people who are obsessed by it who may have an addiction and how it ruins not only, you know, their perception of the world, but also their relationship with women, how Mm -hmm. they treat women. So you see kind of both sides of the arguments for and against it. And I think allowing people to immerse themselves in it adds another layer because if already when it's on your screen, whether it be on your computer screen or your TV screen, you have people having trouble differentiating what is real life and what is a porno script written to allow men to get their rocks off, that distinction only gets harder when now you're in it. It's more real. It's more real. No, I hear you on that. I think for me, some of the concerns I might have is like, how is this going to affect live entertainment? You know, if it feels like you're at an actual concert and you're able to be up close, like, would you, I mean, I guess it depends. I already feel like live entertainment is kind of shrinking to begin with, but would you pay for, same with, same with like the NBA and things like that, would, would you pay for a front row tickets when you can just literally feel during a live concert that you're, or a live game that you are in the front row? Um, and see it, everything from up close. So that that would be my concern. I'm also very selfish, and I would love for it to take over entertainment. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. Another thing that I didn't really touch on in the medical part 
is that VR is also used for medical students. You you had a you had a show called ER VR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was essentially like doing surgery yeah, with, with a VR headset. Was, yeah, it was a game where we'd have contestants come on and play this silly VR game called Surgeon Simulator, which was really a cartoony take on surgery. But you can do a real-life version of that where, like, you are in a surgery where people are getting a chance to safely try out medical exercises without killing someone. <laughs> right, yeah, or having a cadaver. So I do think that that's a really interesting side to it. I do agree with what you said about porn, I feel I always get into this discussion with people because I'm very pro porn and pro sex as far as how it's how women are treated and how those lines are blurred. I think as VR becomes more realistic, we'll have to have more conversations and or these sites will need to which some of them are already starting to do as something that you and you have talked to me privately about is that um, having these discussions about consent or saying up front, like these are actors or whatever. This is not, you know, something that you are yeah. just allowed just, to just do. Just to let everybody in on this private conversation that you exposed on the air. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, this site called kink.com is a BDSM site and every video begins and ends with the model going over the safe words, what they will and what they won't do, things that are off limits. And, you know, basically a real conversation that you would have in that lifestyle to kind of make an effort to show the viewers like this is if this is the type of thing you're into, this is how you go about it. You don't just spring it on someone. You have this conversation of what's okay, what's not really lay the ground rules, rules then go into it. I, and I think it does help, even though I'm sure some people skip past it. I will I will admit I've skipped past it before. One time I'd like checked it out. And I was like, this is this is actually really dope. Like it's a nice addition, and you know, and and like what's cool about it is it's not just like you know they're naked or something. Like they're fully clothed, seated. It's very clinical. So it's like no, this is serious. This is like a serious part about sex. And I think the only other thing that I would say is I wonder if with these documentaries that are doing 360 degree looks into the life of a refugee or what it's like to live in a war zone. If that having this 360 degree technology might then elevate them to like, let's say, Oscar status or Academy Award winning status. And if that will affect some of the categories is now having VR entertainment, because that's a whole other level that you're adding to your your storytelling. Well, I feel like just what we know about the Academy, it's going to take them a while to even recognize VR films as a good as a like a legitimate platform. But. I think when that time comes, yeah, we'll need to have. A I said group. it here first. I said. I'm just well, kidding. as a matter first. of fact, I think that's going to happen because this sold-out experience that's actually coming to LACMA. The director of Revenant, Alejandro G. Inaratu, has this VR experience that's going around. It's in LACMA right now. Hideo Kojima went in it and was like, "You need to check it out. It's a conceptual virtual reality installation called Carne Arena. Virtually present, physically invisible, explores the human condition." of immigrants and refugees. Based on true accounts, the superficial lines between subject and bystander are blurred and bound together, allowing individuals to walk in a vast space and thoroughly live a fragment of a refugee's personal journeys. So that sounds super cool. I gotta find it and experience it. <laughs> but it's not at like money. I'm sure they'll be having more of those. Yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's so dope. But yeah, so with, you know, the, he's... An award-winning director. So if he's already stepping into the space, it's only a matter of time before 
the Oscars yeah, didn't fall. Come on, Guillermo del Toro. I want to make out with a fish in real life. <laughs> yeah, so does Jamie Loftus. She's <laughs> going to beat you up to do it first. Okay, well, that I think is all that we have on uh, VR. I feel yeah, yeah. good about we started from top to bottom. Yeah, so make sure you uh, you know catch us on the socials. Tell us what you're excited about in VR, what you're afraid of, and your fun VR experiences. You know, We love hearing about your experiences. And make sure you uh, definitely subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Have them subscribe. Tell them Danny and Ify back together again on the podcast mm-hmm. waves. Where can people find you, Danny? I am at Ms. Danny Fernandez on its MS, Danny D-A-N-I Fernandez on all of social media. All right. Well, I'm Ify Wadiwe, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E on Instagram and Twitter, all the socials. Check your boy all the time right here, sometimes on the Daily Zeitgeist. Yeah, catch us on uh, Facebook at Nerdificent, on Twitter, Nerdificent, and on Instagram, Nerdificent. If if you notice a trend, it is because that is called hashtag branding. N-E-R-D-I-F-I-C-E-N-T, Nerdificent. Catch us there. Make sure you follow us on all platforms. Give us five stars. I'll catch y'all later. See ya. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.